a radio station that you can listen to with your mom. That's not weird at all. Seville 1075 and 1260. It's not weird at all. Yeah. WCHV. When we grew up and went to school, there were certain teachers who would let the children Sandra Abila says, though, that's not what this meeting was for. Our expectations is not to, to find an answer today. Um, we want to just create um, a safe space and a space where people are able to voice their opinions and be heard. So here's the question. Is listening hearing? Think about it. You think they're synonymous? We don't need no is listening the same as hearing? Because that's what we're hearing. They're holding listening sessions and listening meetings, but are they hearing? And I'm going to say something that's going to be hard to grapple with at first because it's manifesting differently is that this is just charlottesville's particular flavor of the same argument that's been going on for a couple of years now across the commonwealth the debate over whose children are they Charlottesville's particular iteration in this debate is to perhaps be the most glaring example of they can't do it. So why are you asking them to? Whether it's the Albemarle sexually explicit books in their library or... Luvanna County, and they're all over the place. And the empty rhetoric of calling people book banners simply because they want parents to be able to see what's going on their high school kids or their middle school kids or their elementary school kids' library shelves because the authority is it's in the government-run library, it must be okay. And so Charlottesville is holding a master's class on why this is all bad. Because they can't do it. So, so decades of pandering, decades of one-party rule, decades of jumping when 5% of the population is going to get 95% of the media coverage, running for whatever the most populist opinion is, has led us here where reparational discipline has left the drug gangs and the, the 
thug squads running the hallways of high schools and middle schools. And this isn't new. This is this did not happen in 2023. This has been going on for a long time. My wife middle schooled my youngest son and my daughter because she was told, don't send your kid to Buford Middle School, especially your girls. There was a long-standing tradition, apparently amongst well-known amongst parents in Charlottesville, that the disciplinary procedures at Buford Middle School were, well, boys will be boys. Not if I teach my daughter to snap an arm. Then what happens? Your daughter beat up the young man who was sexually assaulting her. We're suspending her. Because that's what's happening. Is this crazy-made, gaslit world of the victim is the victim. The criminal is the victim. And it makes perfect sense in a world where Hamas is about to win its terror attack against civilians doing nothing more onerous than watching a concert by branding themselves as the oppressed, that the thug squads walking the hallways of Charlottesville can brand themselves as the oppressed so that the populists and the panderers that walk the halls of the decision-making rooms in Charlottesville High School and in the city government and all the way up through the Board of Education are going to municipally flinch like one giant Dom DeLuise and say, not in the face! So they can be seen, perceived as caring. Go back to the original question. Is listening the same thing as hearing? Because this is the same manifestation you see when parents are finding sexually explicit materials in their middle school children's library. Why aren't you doing something about this? And the school's problem is that they're supporting it because you're allowing the pandering populists to make these decisions. And they're only making these decisions, not based on what's right and wrong for your children, but what's right and wrong for their political careers and their municipal employment careers and their tenure. So while it's manifested in a much more violent way, in a much more incomprehensible way of brawls in the halls these aren't the these aren't new things i'm 60 years old and my senior year in high school was spent under martial law no one was allowed out of the classrooms at all unless accompanied by a school official because of a brawl that happened on senior ring day that was depicted in the new york daily news as a race riot Mayor Adams of New York knows this because he was in the same race riot I was. But it wasn't a race riot. 
I was standing about five people behind it when it started. It was two white guys who got chesty with each other because one, quote, cut in front of the other one on senior ring pickup line because the one who cut was getting into a group of fellow baseball players from the Bayside High School baseball team. Guys behind didn't like it. All of a sudden, 10 guys are fighting with 10 other guys, and then 40 other guys join in, and it was a brawl that consumed the school and actually wound up with a New York City bus on its side. That was 1980 when that happened. Brawls in the halls are not new. What gets done about them is what's new, a.k.a. nothing. Nobody goes to any detention centers. Nobody goes to any sort of jail. Nobody loses anything of any substance to them because they're the oppressed. Just like Hamas is about to get big bags of cash from the West for killing thousands of people, and then taking a bunch of hostages in exchange for giving us back the hostages and promising this time they won't parasail into another rock concert and start slitting people's throats. They'll just get big bags of cash to go, I guess, buy knife sharpeners with. More parasails. This isn't just happening in Charlottesville High School. We have been around for almost 90 years and not a sign of any slowing down. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by WCHV. What is right with America? Joe Thomas in the morning. Thank you for letting us be of service to you. 434-964-1075 is the phone number. Emails can also come into Joe at WCHV.com. This one comes in, Joe, you're still hawking the uh, neocons rhetoric of more war, more prosperity. You don't know about what's happening in Gaza. You're only getting what the IDF is telling you is what's happening. So, and this is beyond whether or not you believe Hamas actually parasailed into a rock concert and just started slitting people's throats and shooting them in the head. And then, of course, there's the group that believes they did, but it was justified. The bigger question is the, the, when, when the news goes out, We're supposed to in a competitive marketplace, and there are very, very few marketplaces as competitive as news these days. And I I fear because competition is supposed to make us all better. That if you have lots of people all out there trying to find the news story and get it out there and get it into, you know, 
inform people as to what's going on, that that must mean there's a lot of people who know or need to know, want to know what's going on. And the fact that we are still arguing over whether or not Hamas actually parasailed into a rock concert and killed a bunch of people, or if it was the IDF that did it to create a red flag so that they could go invade Gaza, is, to me, part and parcel of a failure of our news media. And, you know, I, I'm, Haywood down in Nelson County keeps referring to me as a journalist. And I've never, ever, 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 ever in one single last moment ever sat here on this radio station and claimed to have a degree in journalism. I've worked with a lot of them. 37 years, I've worked with a lot of people. And one of the things, if you know me at all, I like listening to your stories. I like listening to what you're doing in your world. I try to glean as much as I can about what it's like in your your part of the planet and, and your growings into who you are today. That's just one of the things I geek on. So over 37 years, I've worked with some really good journalists and some really bad ones. And I like to think just by association, I some sort of, societal osmosis i've picked up a few things but i don't just believe something the first time somebody tells me something i don't just believe something because a government official says it i get multiple sources over over 60 years i've i know people i know people who've lived in israel I know people who have lived in the Gaza Strip. But moreover, I know how to kind of sort through a lot of news stories. And if there are glaring inconsistencies in it, they will show up even to somebody like me. But what's happened in the newsrooms of America is that we... We've stopped being broadcasters and we've become narrowcasters. That was a phrase I first heard probably 20 years ago. It was the beginnings of the Internet and in the blogs and, and what was becoming then amongst broadcasters what we called narrowcasting. You'd pick a very small segment of your audience. And it really began in music formats. Instead of broadcasting all the hits and let people, you know, decide, do I like this song or not? And then I'll go buy it. We started narrow casting our formats. Well, we only want the women 24 to 36 listening. So in, we're only going to pick these songs to play because these songs are what they like the best. And you'll wind up with radio stations with playlists of a couple of hundred songs that they repeat through every 24 hours. Because they want to sell, you know, oh, the Volvo dealer only wants to sell to this kind of person. or the, and, and it becomes these ridiculous extrapolations. If 51% of a Chevy customer is male... 35 to 64, somehow the ad agency says, well, you only can be on classic rock stations. So we became narrow casters. But now that's, that's infested the newsrooms as well. 
newsrooms sit there and they vet their stories not based on, well, this is stuff people need to know. It's does our core audience need to know it? Does our core audience want to know it? How will it make our core audience feel? Screw that. Is it a real story or not? Is it a real story? Is it a story? And, and the host's peril is that you know I'm going to analyze the story as I see it, and you're going to disagree with me on a lot of occasions. The danger of talk radio, what makes guys like Rush so special, is that they remained massively popular for decades. But there were moments. There were moments during the Bush years and things like that when, when Rush was not as popular as he always was. His popularity waned because the conservatives were trying to support W. And Rush wasn't a full-throated supporter of W and the, the neoconism. You see it in you know Charlie Kirk and the letters I get either in support or you know, condemnation of Charlie Kirk. Tucker Carlson suffered this, Fox. Bill O'Reilly. You know, the longer you stay in this game, the the longer it, or the more likely it is that you're going to say something that somebody doesn't agree with. So what you have to do is you have to brace yourself for that and say, that's okay. But our newsrooms today, what they're doing is they're, they're pitching stories simply based on how it's going to make their core audience feel. And that's why we have no faith in our newsrooms anymore. And the worst ones are the ones that are just taking checks from people and saying, well, well, these will be the stories uh, that we uh, report on. We're not conspiracy theorists. What do they do with this information that they collect? We're conspiracy analysts. Seville 1075 and 1260 WCHV. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. That's what happens uh, so often. You deal in opinion. There's always going to be, and, and it's more than opinion, but it's the, the easiest way to grasp what you and I do here. This is analysis. This is what I see. And then you say, Joe, I disagree with you. And that's fine. It's never been, you know, a deal breaker, but people walk away. And, and we all feel it. We all are like, well, why don't you agree with me? And maybe it was my upbringing, whatever, but my parents were always, prove it, prove it. Make me believe what you say. Make me agree with you. Mom, I want to buy a car. Why? Because I need a car. That's not good enough. I need a car to get to work. That's not good enough. Work's only a few you know, miles away. It takes me a really long time to get to work by walking. Yeah, yeah but you don't need a car for that. Can you afford it? Yes, I can afford it. How can you afford it? Show me. Show me how you can afford it. I used to have to do this constantly with with my parents, and and so it would. It, this is not a a scenario that's unfamiliar with me. And sometimes they would disagree with me. And and guess what? They stayed my parents. I didn't. I didn't sue for emancipation. But we we don't always agree on things. But the news media in this narrow casting that I was describing to you before, has become this echo chamber where, it, it, and, and it's 
either promotes, I'm not sure whether it's correlation or causation, the politicians who only speak to a very small segment called the base. Just assuming because they have this birthright to either being one of two choices on a ballot, Republican or Democrat, that as long as they get the most number of the most hardcore members, that 10 or 15 percent of the base out, they'll win. So they only speak to that. But then when they go to work, Nick Freitas has a great um, video blog about that. I'll go pull the clip up about it. But but it's it's almost as if we're we're creating the scenario to be lied to. I've said it before, we, you know, we, well, what do you want a politician to do? And bring it all the way back to the Charlottesville schools issue. And it's not just Charlottesville schools. It's the, it's the dirty books in the high school uh, uh, libraries. It's the, should parents even be informed if there are dirty books in, or, or books or, or uh, transgender story time or drag queen story hour in your middle school? Should you be informed? It's all the same manifestation. It's whose children are they? And you see in Charlottesville this explosion of what happens when you allow the pandering populace to create scenarios that your children are not safe. Good morning. You're on the air with Joe Thomas in the morning. Who's this? Joe, it's Toby. How are you? Good, Toby. How are you doing, sir? Good, man. Hey, I was calling about the Charlottesville schools, and I was talking to a teacher this week, and I got to tell you, it was a light bulb moment for me that I feel like I, I'm I'm not sure if you've talked about it before, and maybe you have, um, what has happened, not just in the culture, and it was interesting to me when the open letter was put up by Gurley, the, uh, the open letter, the two people that he said would be a, a present in these meetings are, are uh, uh, a mental health um, expert and a diversity and equity um, yeah. um, super, whatever supervisor, whatever. I thought, what what are we doing? Um, but anyway, I was talking to a teacher, and and uh, and I, I was thinking about this. Um, the, the best correlation I could I could give because I'm an employer is the universal basic income that we people have talked about for years. And I thought that will never happen. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, for me to have to pay somebody when they come to work, let's say. Uh, and this is just an analogy I'm going to use. Is, you know, someone comes to work and just for showing up, if they sit on their butt all day long, I have to pay them a hundred bucks for the day. And you can't fire them. Hundred bucks, I have to pay them. Just, I, 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 they have to sit there. I mean, they, they have to show up. That's all they have to do. And I have to pay them a hundred bucks. The, mm-hmm. the person next to them, if they work all day long, they could, work, they could earn 150, maybe 200 if they work really, really hard. But the guy sitting next to them doing nothing gets a hundred bucks. That is the school system now. I did not know this. I, I, I profess ignorance, complete ignorance, because the teacher told me, and when I, I was dumbfounded. I literally was dumbfounded. The teachers have to, for every assignment, first of all, this is Elmore County. She's Elmore County, but she, uh, she was saying that the Charlottesville City, I think, was the same. But oh, yeah, very close. The, uh, well, listen, so they have to uh, give each student the entire term turn in any any assignment any assignment any test mm-hmm. any essay any report anything they yeah. have they have the entire term and i think about how how much different this is from when i was in school and how much this has watered down the education that our kids are getting and no wonder we're having problems but and no wonder we have entitlement so they have the entire term to turn in any assignment they have to, the teachers have to give them the entire term every assignment test whatever the base the 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 lowest score a teacher can give is 55 that's it no zeros no mm-hmm. incompletes has to be 55. And the passing grade for the term is 60. 
so when I was in school, it was 70. Mm -hmm. If I didn't turn something in, I got a zero. And it averaged into everything. So I had to get a 70 just to pass a class. And it had to average every low score I got on the test. If I did, did nothing, I got a zero on an assignment. Mm -hmm. So what these kids do, and you can imagine what's happening in the culture as a result. And the reason why Charlottesville City Schools are dealing with such a problem, and it's Admiral next. It's going to be Admiral next. Oh, sure. It's because these kids can come in and do nothing. They do nothing. Every assignment that they don't do, every test that they don't take, they have a 55. Mm -hmm. All they have to do by the end of the term is figure out how many assignments and tests they have to take to bump their grade up to a 60 to get through the class. And the teachers have to pass them through the class. And I know you've probably talked about this before. Mm -hmm. i got to admit, I mean, I'm a math guy. I enjoy math. It, it, I'm dumbfounded by this. Dump, and you think, what has happened to the culture? The culture has, has completely deteriorated because these kids are not doing what they're supposed to be doing in school because they don't have to. They don't have to do any of it. All they have to do is sit there, earn a 55 all semester long, and then at some point do enough – and someone can correct me if I'm wrong. If there's a teacher or a superintendent that says, no, Toby, that's totally wrong. But I'm, I'm telling you, man, when I heard this, I thought, oh, well, duh, no wonder we're having riots and fights and everything. Because they don't, they come to school not to learn, not to, they don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. They come to school just to be there, and we tell them, that's good enough. You're here, you're here for the whole term, you do a few things, that's good enough, you pass. And I think, man, what does that mean for our, what does that mean for our workforce in five years, 10 years, 15 years? Uh, it, it scares the tar out of me as an employer. Well, currently, because UBI is going to happen. Universal basic income is going to happen. Sure. Has to because if this is what we're telling them in, when they're in school, then what are we going to tell them when they hit the workforce? Well, and become voters, and and that's going to be the key. Is when they become right. voters, then then you're going to have to pander right. to what they want. And this is why uh, I play the clip frequently. The 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 KGB officer from 1984 saying that for three generations they had already been running yeah. American schools. And this was in 1984 um, with this idea. Yeah. And this was just at the beginnings of every child gets a trophy and build their self-esteem. And when you and I call it out and say, hey, how's that working? Teen suicides are higher than they've ever been in the history of humanity uh, after 25 years of building their self-esteem doesn't seem to be working but they just double down on it more it's it's they'll, they'll take one instance they'll take one poor kid whose parents don't have internet and they'll say well we have to address this and they will spend millions and millions of dollars giving every kid an ipad and then then all of a sudden they have to have government supplied uh, uh, internet and it's all part of this idea that you can't do for yourself it's it's the conceit of marxism um, we were saying yeah. this even yesterday. Marx didn't go, or not Marx per se, but Lenin using Marx, Mao using Marx, didn't go after the, the wealthy. They needed the wealthy. They wanted the wealthy. They, 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 they told the wealthy, listen, you help me get to power. You're never going to have to worry about being poor again because we're going to stop this whole capitalistic kind of, oh, you could lose all your money stuff. So the, the wealthy are always the first people to buy into Marxism because it protects their, their kitty. 
it's the middle class that Marxism goes after. It's the it's the it's the makers. Yeah, it's correct. the people who go to work every day because that's not that's fair. Right. You you've made more than somebody else by a, a small margin, and the people who've made a ton more than everyone else you never see, so it doesn't become a a, a fist fight in the streets. But but human nature, and this is what brought down Marxism in the United in the uh, USSR was the human nature eventually sees it for what it is. It's why the union movements in America are flailing. Uh, it's why they're going after the government for UPI, um, uh, because the unions are failing, because people in the unions are like, well, hold it. Didn't we just get this big new contract? Why am I unemployed? Or or uh, right. I work harder than he does. What, why does that happen? It's why American uh, productivity becomes less and less america's uh, i've said this before as well uh, american exceptionalism is not some bs little thing like rachel maddow tries to make it out to be it was the honest depiction of america's economic output based on the fact that we could self-associate with companies or or industries that we liked or we believed in, so therefore we were more diligent, hardworking people than anyone else on the planet because we we chose to work there. And and over the last half century, those choices have diminished and diminished and diminished to the point where you see these poor kids in Charlottesville, they don't care about education, even if the standards were what they are or what they were when we were kids, Toby. They don't care. This, this, um, well, this, but, but and, I, and I brought this and up. The thing is, we're not even telling them they have to. They're not, we're not telling them. So we, we, I've been looking at this situation saying, what's wrong with these kids? What's wrong with these teachers? What's wrong with these superintendents? What's wrong with, it's the system has absolutely failed. And, and there are people that have made those decisions. And those decisions are heinous. And they've, they've not only underserved our students, we've ruined them. We've ruined a generation of students because we've told them they don't have to do anything, um, maybe a few things, but they don't have to do anything to meet a standard. Mm-hmm. There is no standard. You know, you show up, that's good enough. And so we've, we've ruined a generation of students. And I've told people before, get your kids out of public school. And uh, I'm a big fan of, of homeschooling. And the truth is, no wonder colleges and universities are headed and, 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 and accepting homeschool. I'm, I'm saying, wow, they test so much higher. They, they do so much better. Well, it's because the standards we've set in public schools are, has, I, I, I'm, 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 like I said, I'm dumbfounded. By that. Well, but, but the sad thing is, Toby, so the, the, some of this goes back, you know, generation before you and I were born. I mean, this is great society stuff. But, well, yeah, but, exactly. but Dewey. one of Dewey's the, a, we always thought he was the guy that was a librarian. Yeah. No, you were talking about Dewey, yeah. screw him and how. Um, but Bob McDonald, in his leadership position with the National Republican Governors Conference, it's a branch of the National Governors Association, um, were the people who came up with this little thing. Have you, you've probably heard about this, probably not since 2011, 2012, Common Core. Sure. You remember Common Core, and you don't have to get the answer right in your math equation. Just show us that you are doing the the right equation, even if you got the wrong answer, and we'll give you, you know, partial credit for it, and all these things. Tell people... me how that translates to the uh, to the to the to the real world. I don't Go want ahead. them building my bridges. I'll tell you that much. But, um, <laughs> no. but but the point was, and this was the premise of it, and this is where politicians make bad decisions because they're chasing populism. So what they saw 
at the beginnings of Common Core in 2010, this National Republican Governors Association started out with a laudable point. They started out with this research, Pew Research, that said the poor, mostly black, some Latino communities, even some white communities, didn't see any uh, uh, upside in pursuing academic rigor. They didn't see the upside in doing well in school. They didn't see the point. And so instead of saying, gee, how how has that happened? Why can we have it? They took the easy answer, which was just let's make the tests easier. Let's make the scores easier to attain. Maybe that will make them happy and they will achieve a 90 and then they'll see the buy-in and they'll be happy and we'll pat them on the back. Uh, but that didn't happen. What happened is we lowered the standards and then the next generation came in and said, well, we still don't see any point in education. And the, the cancer that has been growing is the poor communities not seeing any answer, no reason to get an education because there's no job. And that's the reason. Yes. And that's the reason why the, the this disconnect between public sector and private sector is so dangerous is that the public sector is educating the children, then they send them into the private sector, the children's children, and then they send them into the private sector for jobs, and they've told them their, their whole childhood that this is all you have to do to mm-hmm. get by, and then the private sector says, no, you, you have to actually produce something. You have to produce yep. something. And they say, no, 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 wait, what? And then that's why the union problems are, 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 are becoming such an issue. Um, well, even yeah, in general, I, I litigations, think, labor labor litigations of people who are unfairly treated at the in the workplace and cases like that. And there's a fortune being made, Toby, in the consultants sphere of of people who will go in and t- to teach human resource officers how to how to manage workforces full of people who have never been told that's not good enough. Uh, and it's not that yeah. we need to teach the employees what that means. No, we have to teach the human resource director how to manage that, not not you know how to yeah, change well, that. I'll be the first to say, hey, public schools, Charlottesville City, Albemarle County, it's not good enough. That's not good enough. No, the, it's not. But it, it's not good enough. It's a, you're failing our students, and it's and it's your fault. It's your well, fault and it, that they're and, failing. And it's the centralization that really is the beginnings of it. It's this, it, you know, when you and I were kids, you're, you're much younger than I am, Toby, but public school was like a 50-50 equation, even in New York City, where I grew up, I mean, it, you know, half the kids you knew went to parochial school of some kind, and the other half went to public school. And the parochial school kids tried not to look down at the public school kids who had to go to public school. Oh, well, Joe had to go to public school. Um, and, and so it, and through the sixties and seventies, that, that number shifted and all of a sudden it became something for politicians to run on. I'm going to create the Cadillac of all element of educational systems. Hey, let me get line two here, Toby. Good stuff though, my friend. You have a great morning. Yeah, man. Peace. Good morning. You're on. The, uh, good, hello. You're on the air with Joe Thomas in the morning. Who's this? Uh, my phone's not letting me answer it, is it? So, you know, what, 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 all right. Well, um, I don't know why. I don't know why. All right. Just it's just, uh, it's it's apparently locked in something. I I asked it to do something it didn't want to do. So um, we're going to have to let it rest for a little bit. Call me back when we get out of the news here at 434-964-1075 on Joe Thomas in the morning. 
AM, FM, streaming, and now a smartphone app. The technology changes, but at your service since That is some of the uh, parents and community members yesterday at the Martin Luther King Performing Arts Center expressing frustration with the city of Charlottesville School uh, Board uh, who held a listening session, as I asked at the onset of the program, if you're joining us in progress, is listening really synonymous with hearing uh, and doing and, and some of the common sense things. But understand that the the flashpoint of Charlottesville's high school's riots and the teacher walkout is still indicative of all the same ills we're seeing across all the school divisions. It's the government versus the citizens. The citizens don't have a say. You've signed off on giving us your kids. We will manage this. And finally, the teachers who have been the bulwark of making that work said enough. And they walked out on Friday. They said, we're not coming in. It was the blue flu from my childhood. They said, we're just not coming coming in. You go ahead, try to have school without us. And they couldn't. Um, and they still won't say that we're going to call in Charlottesville police to patrol the halls while people are getting beat up. And remember, it's a really simple equation. You don't have the right to go beat somebody up. I don't care what your beef with them is, as Chief Conscious likes to call it. You don't have the right to go beat somebody up to get your way. But the, the pandering populists versus the parents is all through. It's Fluvanna County, uh, you know, book banners are on the march and, and you know, got to stop the book banners and all that silly rhetoric has left you with centralized state-run schools who couldn't care less as long as you check the mark for them when they go to get reelected. And 60% of Albemarle County's $500 million budget going to go to the schools and they get to appropriate it and associate it with whatever friends and colleagues they want to associate that money's with it's it and none of it helps the children and you know what children need children need to know what right and wrong is that's all they ever are looking for so when they fall in with the drug gangs and they say you, you somebody snitches give them stitches that's the right and wrong that they start to learn Frank was hanging on the line. He was that call that was trying to get in to us just before we went to the news at 6. Frank, thanks for hanging on. Uh, You sent me a great email. I was going to read it. I don't know if that's why you called or if you were calling off of Toby and uh, my conversation on the degradation of our schools, but you have the floor. Yeah, good morning, uh, Joe. Thanks. I wanted to just encourage all the listeners to do what Toby did. Listen to a teacher. Go find a teacher and ask them, what is going on? What what are the policies and where are they coming from that are hindering your job? 
that's how I, that's what I did about a year or two ago. And that's why I got involved in promoting candidates for the school board that I felt, uh, would better represent what this community wants from our schools. Mm-hmm. And Toby brings up a great point. Many people will think, oh, that's school board. I don't have any kids in the system. Or, you know, I homeschool my kids or I don't have any grandchildren. That, it's an excuse. Right. The, Yep. This is a community issue. These people, these kids, which we care about because we care about them because they're children. But if you want a personal connection, think about, like Toby said, these kids are going to be employees. These kids are going to be the adults in our community in just a couple of years. And they're going to be in our hospitals, in our doctor's offices, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so that's how one of the ways I encourage people to think about this before you go to the polls and vote, get educated on where these candidates stand. Well, there's also find out who you're voting for. Well, and it's also then you know hold them to it once they get into an elected office. But but the the fixes, and and I don't want to overplay this, Frank. But I still watch and I do a nose count, and I realize that we're talking about maybe 5% of the Charlottesville student body that's that's causing the problems for the other 95%. And it seems to be whether it's 10 to 5 to sometimes 15% of a population that is that is causing problems for the rest. And and so what I also watch societally is this this guilt trip that is being laid on the kids who are achievers who do well because you do see them in our hospitals you do see young people uh, getting into the community and being incredible citizens but the guilt trip that is being implied upon them that you 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 have somehow become the oppressor you know is is so worrisome to me because uh, the if you teach a kid that from the early age, and this goes back to my first interactions with Dr. Uh, Harry Rogers, who most people know as Ibram Kendi, and the whole anti-racism movement and critical race theory um, on up, and the idea that well, you're you're an oppressor, you and and it's and it's changed. It used to be white kid, black kid. They got smart. We caught them on that. Now it's if you're if you're scoring high grades, you're an oppressor, and and you need to be called out for being an oppressor and that you're you're achieving more so now the guilt trip has to be you have to take care of those who haven't achieved as much whether we've encouraged that achievement or not that you must do all of this work to help them who have shown no inclination to do the work and it's a sad debasement of exactly what um, you know, perhaps the learned professors of uh, the Ivy League halls of uh, America have learned about Marxism is is if you get a guilt trip on the makers, then they won't complain as much about supporting the takers. And, and we need to shake that off because America was not built by that. American exceptionalism was you worked hard because you had buy-in. But I mean, there's, it's, it's so many eddies and currents. It's, it's the economy. It's kids who grow up in poor neighborhoods, but they don't see any reason to try to get out. Uh, this was uh, what I brought up with Toby at the onset. A lot of this goes back to the development of Common Core, 
which for laudable reasons, the National Republican Governors Association sat down and said, we have this Pew Research report that says uh, poor communities, especially the ethnically uh, in diverse ones, the black and the Latino communities, don't see any upside in academic excellence. They don't see the the, the reason to try to get a, a postgraduate degree or even just uh, skilled training. And, and so they're way to address that and being politicians wouldn't surprise you the way they addressed it was by lowering the standards by coming up with common core so that you could get some points if you just got the right equation even if you got the wrong answer and that kind of stuff and that that really accelerated this downward trend that began in the 60s with with the great society so we're not going to fix it until we we can grapple with the fact that it's probably going to take an entire generation to pull ourselves out of this and are we ready to deal with the yelling and the screaming that's going to go along with it yeah, I agree. And, you know, just to point out a couple other things that the Albemarle County School Board has done, you know, ask the teacher about the test retake policy. Um, and what, and, and ask the teacher, just like Toby said, there are students that are calculating how much minimum work do I need to do because mm-hmm. I know I'm going to get a 50 on every assignment. I'll do a few weeks of work and then I'll just stop for the rest of the grading period. And nobody ever says to them, I don't know if you ever heard this going through your educational career, Frank, but uh, you sound, you know, well-schooled, so you probably did. Uh, I, I had at least my fair share of teachers and both of my parents tell me, if you had spent enough, as much effort doing the work as you did figuring out a way to not do the work, you would have passed and it would have been a lot easier. That was a life lesson I learned a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I was taught personal responsibility and accountability mm-hmm. and you you get what you put in and what you deserve i don't think right. we're teaching that with these policies no no because politicians want to be the bringer of all the things you want it's no longer what you've earned it's what you feel like you should have and and that's a bigger societal issue like i said it's going to take a generation of a lot of yelling and a lot of you know hurt feelings but i, I we can fix it it's all still there because i still believe that even even kids 18 years old who have been kind of left to become feral uh, like the doctor we had on yesterday's show, Dr. Curry Myers, uh, written pieces on the development of feral man. Um, they still understand that if I do more, I can be more. So, so that instinct is still there. It just requires a society, parents and, and, and family members and then teachers, whether they be public or privately hired, to, to hone that into what are you pursuing with that inclination. So I, I still believe that the human nature is there to be achievers. We just need to get, get off our arses and, and go back to encourage that. Good yeah. stuff, Frank. Thank, Thank you, me. sir. Yeah, thanks for my call. Thanks for taking my call. Have a great day. CBS 19 weather updates every 10 minutes on Joe Thomas in the morning because he knows that El Nino isn't one of those kids at the border. WCHV. Joe Thomas in the morning. Thank you for letting us be of service to you. 434-964-1075 is the phone number. Emails coming to joe at wchv.com. Something wrong with the world today. I don't know what it is. Something's wrong with our eyes. 
things in a different way God knows it ain't his It sure ain't no surprise I got this email uh, to Joe at WCHV.com from Larry, who says, Joe, very concerned for you. Heard you made a moral equivalency earlier this morning comparing to the thugs in Charlottesville's high school halls to Hamas and the appeasements that they're about to get. While I agree with you, be careful, man. This is the stuff that gets DJs fired. Well, I guess if I was a DJ and somebody was expecting me to play the next uh, new release from the Rolling Stones, I probably would be getting fired right now. But uh, generally, this is what they pay me for uh, there. Uh, but, yeah, I do. I do make a moral equivalency to the two groups. They're, they're terror thug squads who are trying to get their way. And, and appeasements have con- continually exacerbated the problem. Joel is hanging on the line with us at 434-964-1075. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. What about yours, Joel? I think I think you should, because it's important. Uh, excuse my froggy voice, but I just wanted to say that it's all got to do with the intrinsic value of how things are dealt with. And first of all, you have an education system where they've taken away the value of actually educating children about, first of all, our country and, and what, what its foundational history is, the flag, and, and then how the founding fathers have created the, the country and, and, and the people that fought for the country. You have a devaluation of math and science and reading, and then those that are trying to uh, educate, you have two sides. You have one side that's trying to talk about things that really have nothing to do with education that should be dealt with either by a psychiatrist or, or the parents. Then you have a security situation where if they bring in police, they can't even use their, uh, their foundation to, to fight the issues because they're afraid if they make a decision by actually doing their job, then, then they're going to get in trouble. Their their intrinsic value of what they do is going to be take is going to be taken away or or put out. So you have people that want things done, and and they want to take the shorter path and taking the harder path, and actually dealing with things with truth and value of what is happening. I mean, if somebody fails, then they ought to figure out a way of helping them remediate, not just by giving them well, a, sure. a passing. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah, and I and I've told you in the past. I mean, I'm I'm a classic case of I've always got an excuse for something, or I used to, and it was really hard to learn right. my way out of it. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's a world where your truth has supplanted the truth, and uh, it, it's an arrogance, it's a conceit uh, that we have to break ourselves from. Joel, good stuff, my friend. Feel less froggy. It's good to see that people can still get froggy in Florida. Uh, although I think in Florida they call the frogs alligators. But uh, have a good morning, sir. All right, you too. And as our uh, friend Niles Crane once told us, remember, if you wonder what's wrong in American society today... I'm not leaving till I get justice. Well, not exactly justice, I suppose. More like preferential treatment, but I'm not leaving till I get... When WCHV went on the air in 1933, banks were failing, investors were panicking, and the government started sending people money to calm them down. And here we are.
ready to help you through it again.